Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a problem. Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, K. Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Ayo! Ayo! Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. I'm your host, Michelle Majuk, researcher for the NFL Network, and I'm joined by Kate Majuk, content manager with DraftKings Nation, and Jake Trowbridge, contributor with Matthew Ferry's Fantasy Life. What's up, guys and girls? It's almost the fantasy season. Oh, so my close. God. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Kate got Peter one Jake. taste of training camp with the pads on, and she's hyperventilating now. I turned into Vecna. I'm so hungry for souls of my competitors in fantasy leagues. I'm going to take y'all down. I'm so excited though. Training camp. I feel like it, like this is kind of the week that we can really start kind of making our evaluations. Cause you know, the, the week without pads, it's just kind of warming up and everybody it's kind of like, you know, when you first go back to school and everybody's like, Oh my God, how was your summer? And, like, oh, what's your class schedule like? And hopefully your class schedule is with the first team. And but some <laughs> kids don't get that first class schedule. I'm going to cut you off because I feel like you're, you're, <laughs> you're struggling hard here. No, I'm just no, so You were going for an analogy. You're, go, you're doing, you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah, I got most of it. But then I was like, I feel like I should help her out. But we aren't going to get too much into training camp, camp today because, you know, we're recording this on Monday, August 1st, and most teams just put on their pads today. Uh, so that was the first practice with pads. There's not too much to take from it yet. We don't want to overhype anybody or devalue anybody. So we'll get more into that next week with an extra week of practice to talk about. Uh, today's talk of the town is going to be about Debo Samuel. He got his contract. And then we have my favorite segment of the offseason because I'm such a hater. Like, you know, I really am just such a hater. So we have the hate to blast your bubble segment where we're each going to give two takes that might make you sad for fantasy football in 2022. And I'm welcome sorry about in, that. Welcome into the Ball Blast Fantasy Football <laughs> Podcast where it's our goal to get ballsy and make you and sad. piss you off for <laughs> the 2022 fantasy football season. Uh, before we get into talk of town, obviously we have to bring up Deshaun Watson's case. Um, Sue Robinson uh, did her thing and recommended that Deshaun Watson be suspended for only six games. We'll see if the NFL ends up appealing or not. We'll know that in the next few days, but no reason to talk about it until uh, we have that information. And I just don't feel like talking about it. So we're not going to, and that's the beauty of it being our podcast. If you want to hear Deshaun Watson information, go somewhere else. I'm so sorry, but also stay with us because we love you and we're going to have great takes today. Yeah. And leave us those five-star reviews, guys. I'm going to, I like, I'm in the mood to be generous since we're going to put y'all down and take y'all down a notch. I feel like it's important to bring y'all back up. And I say y'all now, cause we live in Texas. So, uh, gotta be local with the people. 
Um, so my thought is that we give away a t-shirt to somebody who leaves a five-star review, leave us like your email or Twitter handle. So we know who you are and can reach out to you, but we'll draw one random name, but like we need, we need some, some of those reviews. So if you like what we're doing, please help support the show. Leave us those five-star reviews. It means a lot. And you might be the proud owner of a ball blast t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. All right. Let's hop into talk of the town. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. Debo Samuel. He gets his big contract. He deserves it after the season he had last year. It's a three-year extension worth up to $73.5 million, $58 million guaranteed. Congratulations to Debo. Like I said, baller season last year. So this is well, well deserved. Now, the big question is for fantasy. Does this move the needle for him at all that he you know, got this contract extension? And what is your prediction for 2022, Jake? You loved him last year. How how are you feeling going into this year? Well, I've said before that I'm starting to shift uh, when I'm looking at draft value in particular, leaning a little bit no- more towards Brandon Ayuk because the golf between their ADPs is insane. And even before this contract, if there was any discount for Debo, I, I can't imagine what it was because he was easily going, you know, in the top six wide receivers already. So if this moves him up ADP, I'm just going to be so out, sadly, on Debo Samuel because of the whole shift to quarterback. It's too many question marks, and I don't have the answers to feel confident enough in Debo. I'd much rather wait and take Ayuk so much later. So for me, it doesn't move the needle for Debo. I've I've always had my needle a bit more towards empty, unfortunately, this year. Please never refer to your needle ever again. <laughs> I spent way too long talking about my needle. <laughs> Is that what your wife calls it? I, it just... Oh, my Lord. I'm going to move on. on. <laughs> move on from this. My father listens to this podcast, guys. Come on. Get it together. My biggest question mark about... Debo Samuel is the change to Trey Lance because I'm really high on Trey Lance this year in fantasy football and as a rusher. And that's pretty much the reason why I'm high in, in fantasy is because he has a big arm to make the big plays as a passer, but he's going to get a ton of points on the ground. But when it comes to the passing game, how much does this hurt Debo? Like how many times do we expect Trey Lance to pass this year? He's never hit 300 pass attempts in a season since at least high school that we know of. I don't know his high school stats, but he where never did find? it in college. I literally don't know where you find high school Sometimes stats. Sometimes you can get lucky if you Google it. Uh, I did not. But we know at least he has never done it in college. He didn't play last year really besides two games. They only had the 49ers as a team last year only had 514 attempts, was 29th in the NFL. And that was with Jimmy Garoppolo, who's a pass first quarterback. So what is a realistic pass attempt for Trey Lance? Mm. Not enough. <laughs> it's just not going to be enough. I really don't think that we see him do more than what Jimmy G did last year. And Jimmy G was not chucking the ball around. So it was all about high efficiency, everything for everybody involved. It's going to have to be the same this year, which they could improve their efficiency with Trey Lance. I'm not doubting that. It's just who's going to get more targets. I don't know. I mean, I just wonder what 
I mean, Michelle, as a host of a 49ers podcast, which uh, give your podcast a shout out for anybody that hasn't listened to your podcast. Because if you haven't known, Michelle's a host, a co-host yeah, of a I, 49ers podcast randomly. It's called Gold Diggers. It's the Friday podcast on the Niners Nation podcast network. Uh, but we talk all things Niners and we go real deep. It's an awesome network in general if you want your 49ers information. Uh, so go find us there. But yeah, I'm like, I'm involved with the 49ers, like way more than I thought I would ever be. And I am excited for Trey Lance to take over and to be involved. I think he's going to be like year one. I think he'll be like a Jalen Hurts where that's very good for fantasy for him. Uh, but maybe not so much for the wide receivers. And he seems to have a really great connection with Brandon Ayuk. So if Ayuk eats into any of those targets, that's scary as well. I still I still have Debo ranked as a top 10 wide receiver. I have him as my wide receiver 10. But with where he's going, then he's no longer really a draft value. Yeah, I think that's what kind of comes back down to it. Like, where are they going to finish in relate? in relation to like where you're actually drafting these players. And I do think that just based on cost, Brandon Ayuk has the better chance to return more value. Like I, I could see the gap closing significantly between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, maybe not overly significantly, but uh, like significant enough that Brandon Ayuk could be a suitable flex start throughout the year. Yeah. And it's probably going to be inconsistent for both of these guys, depending on, you know, who they're facing, how many times they have to pass. Their defense is supposed to be pretty solid. Let's so talk I think about they're going to run a lot. 49ers fans, though. Man, they've got sky high expectations. If you ask a 49ers fan, Trey Lance is going to throw for 5,000 yards <laughs> and 45 touchdowns in his rookie season, which should be enough for both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. But I'm, I'm just going to say I'm I'm just not feeling those expectations. It's yeah. not even factoring in the rushing, which is like an extra 3,500 yards on top of that. <laughs> yeah, so, so he's going to be, be like the QB 1-1-1, but not like <laughs> uh, that's quarterback 111. <laughs> um, but you guys get my point. Like it, it just, uh, yeah. Trey Lance can be good, and it doesn't mean that Debo Samuel will have a – an amazing fantasy season like he did last year. I still think he's going to be very solid. If you want to draft him, like he's so special when he has the ball in his hands, that's fine. I just don't think he's going to return the value even close to what he did last year. And I think Jake, you're in, you're in agreement. And so is Kate. So that's where we land with him. But that's not to say don't draft Debo Samuel. Okay. Well, now you're confusing everybody. No, I like, I think he's, I think like Brandon Ayuk has, the the chance to surpass a greater chance to surpass his ADP. But like, I, I think Debo Samuel is still going to be. Okay. So Kate, I have a good tier. question for you after last week's debate. Let's answer it real quick before we get into our main segment. <laughs> Do you want to lose another one? Debo, Debo Samuel, <laughs> Debo Samuel or CD lamb. Who are you going with? Um, Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, like small news bit, Michael Gallup has now gone down with James Washington. Oh my gosh. I that's the third time I've done that. I just have Michael Gallup on the mind. I literally three times today have done that. Um, yes, James Washington broken foot. So he not only is going to like miss time probably to start the season, but like he misses all of training camp where he gets that opportunity to build those reps and and build that rapport. So I do think that. 
I'd probably take CD Lamb there yeah, just based would. on volume, but it, it's close enough for me. So I'll take whichever receiver I don't have to reach on. Uh, they're going back to back. So they're going as a wide receiver six and seven. Debo's going at six, uh, 16th overall, and CD Lamb's going 17th overall. So literally back to back in drafts right now. And now with Debo's, you know, there's no fear of holdout. He might even increase a little bit. Uh, going right before him is Devonte Adams, Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, easily taking all of them over Debo. Jake, what about you, CD Lamb or Debo Samuel? I mean, my honest answer is I'm skipping over both to draft a running back in that range. But if I had to pick one or the other, they're all I gone. Would go with CD Lamb. They're all gone. All the running backs have already gone. Uh, I'll take CD Lamb at that case. And then Kate, like your Mike Evans is going a few, like a, a good. A handful of spots after Debo. So you're saying don't draft Debo, but kind of if you like Lamb and Mike Evans, pretty much you're saying don't draft Debo. I think Debo is a safe pick. I think he is a really safe pick at that spot. Do I think he's going to return value on top of that? No, but maybe this comes down to kind of how you want to build your roster. Like maybe if all the running backs are off the board, like maybe Debo Samuels, like a really solid, safe, high upside uh, high floor wide receiver one for you. And then you can kind of seek some of that roster volatility down the road. But I think Debo Samuel is probably going to return wide receiver six value. It's just like the goal is always to get more than that. Okay. And I have him only projected to be wide receiver 10. So maybe that's why I'm a little bit lower on his cost. I'm just not going to take that lamb. I clearly have ranked pretty high. So I'll be happy to take CD lamb there. Moving on, though, moving on to hate to blast your bubble. We are going to give some takes that you may not like to hear, but you need to hear it for your own good before draft season starts. Jake, let's start with you. What's your first hate to blast your bubble take? Well, you know, we're talking about teammates that are being valued vastly different right now. So let's keep that trend going, this time shifting over to some running back action Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson will finish with much closer production than you want. Currently, the two of them going very far apart in drafts. Cam Akers, RB18 in full PPR. Daryl Henderson, RB43 in full Ooh. PPR. That's a big gap. That's a big old gap. Daryl Henderson is being valued after a, a substantial number of other backup running backs. And I think that's pretty weird. And I think it's weird because Daryl Henderson is very clearly in his last year with the Rams. Cam Akers, as we know, is coming off of that injury, which slowed him down quite a bit last year. He did not look great last year. Now we could ignore that because dude just came back from a tough injury. So, all right, take that for what it's worth. However, is Sean McVay going to rush this dude right back to being a workhorse, considering all of that? Considering that he likely wants to keep him healthy all year and not have to sacrifice him missing games and then messing up his future even more. Why not use the guy who was there with your last year, who's been incredible for you, by the way, or at the very least split time? Now, there was this quote from The Athletic. So Akers and Henderson already splitting first team reps. Maybe that doesn't mean a ton right now because, again, it's very new. However, this quote stuck out to me. 
Those guys are great compliments of one another, but I see them both as starting caliber players. We need to get both involved. They need to be on the field. I think it's healthy for them to supplement one another. Yes, it sure is healthy being the key word there. Again, keep both of these injury-prone dudes, and I'll just throw that word out there. I know people hate it. Keep okay, them both Jake, healthy. wait, to clarify, was this quote in The Athletic a quote from Sean McVay? Sorry if I missed that. This was a quote from Sean McVay. All right. So this well, wasn't that, some beat that's reporter. That's the differentiating factor for me. Yeah. That's the yeah, difference. This, this this is coming directly from the horse's mouth. The horse being Sean McVay in this uh, analogy, apparently. He's a very I found cute this. Horse. <laughs> I found this stat to be very interesting, though. Talking about sheer talent now. So okay. However, the coaching staff wants to use them. That's obviously one thing. But how are they going to perform while being used? Well, in five games last season that Akers actually played, again, not to belabor the point, but this is from at Dynasty Island on Twitter. He averaged 0.44 points per opportunity. If you don't know what that means, it means basically every time you touch the ball, how did that translate to fantasy production? Well, he was dead last among qualifying running backs, dead last. And he wasn't that much better his rookie season either. So we can't just give him the pass based off of the injury because his rookie season when he took over from week 13 on, it was 0.59 points per opportunity. That was behind Trey Sermon last year. Trey Sermon, as you might know, not very fantasy relevant for you in San Francisco. By contrast, Daryl freaking Henderson averaged 0.86 last year in that metric, almost twice as much. Henderson also had the 26th most high-value touches last year, which freaking what? How? When? When did that happen? I don't know, but he had 40 of them. That's uh, per at Corbin underscore young 21 on Twitter. He's He's been so good, and we've seen him be so good. You know, the 10 games that Henderson played when mostly healthy last year, he was averaging just under 20 touches. He was averaging just under 90 yards during that span. It's a 17-game uh, pace, by the way, of about 1,400 or so yards. So want to throw that nice round number in your face. I don't see a world where Cam Akers is this, you know, even high-end RB2 this year. And I think him and Henderson are both going to be flex-worthy running backs, for sure. I'm not saying, like, I'm going gaga to draft Daryl Henderson, but at that value, I definitely want him more. I think the trick is just literally going to be uh, like my, my strategy is going to be to draft Daryl Henderson as like my RB 75. <laughs> and then I'm going to play him when he's active. Like, I think that's kind of the, the differentiating factor here. I do think that he's going to touch the ball plenty of times. He has been more efficient just across the board. And I mean, like every metric that I can think of just dominates over cam Akers, and i i hate to bring those to the table because i've never been a cam Akers fan and people know that so i do feel like people think i'm biased but i mean in terms of um that touches per broken tackle it takes cam Akers almost three more touches to uh average one broken tackle than it does daryl henderson he ranks behind henderson in scrimmage yards per touch uh, fewer 12 plus rush yard attempts. Um, like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why we're writing off Daryl Henderson. Cause I do think that the limiting factor for him has been health. Yeah. I mean, it's not like even before the Achilles, he was staying healthy. He, 
had limited touches his rookie season and had, you know, the, the hurt ribs and the hurt ankle. So he's had issues staying healthy even before the Achilles. Now, Daryl Henderson has those same issues. But last year, like you said, during that, when he was healthy, he had seven games that he scored 15 plus fantasy points last year. That's the same amount of games. Like I'm not even like doing like a, a portion of the season. I'm just talking about the whole season. That's the same amount of 15 plus fantasy points games as Dalvin Cook, as DeAndre Swift, as Nick Chubb, as Aaron Jones. Like he was very good in fantasy. I think he's the better running back. I even thought this before uh, Acres' big injury. Unfortunately, Sean McVay absolutely loves Cam Akers, so I do think he's going to still try to make him that guy. Uh, so that's why I'm a little bit iffy under but, Henderson, but I, I still think you're right. Like the difference is not going to be that much at the end of the year. But I do also think like, let's look back at Cam Akers breakout in 2020, right? Like that breakout came because Daryl Henderson was injured. Like we did not see Cam Akers touching the ball in any consistent manner until the Daryl Henderson injury. We also did not see Cam Akers really uh, make an impact until like at Sony Michelle and Daryl. Obviously, like they had to bring in Cam Akers at that point if he was able to play. But like, I, I don't think they would have chosen to bring him in if it weren't for other injuries to the running back core. Yeah, we kind of saw that in the postseason as well. Uh, Henderson wasn't healthy. Cam Akers got all the touches. Well, we'll see what happens, but I think Kate and I both agree with you clearly because we've gone on now as long as you have. Uh, so we're going to have to speed <laughs> this thing up or it's going to be a two hour podcast and we don't want. We just to need to shake it up. We need to shake it up, guys. Shake it up. Shake it up. All right. We're moving on to my first take. Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, is not worth his current ADP of wide receiver 25, even in PPR leagues. Ooh. And I don't. You know, even if he were to fall a little bit, I still don't really care to draft him. His target share last year was already absolutely through the roof in 2021. I mean, he he had the sixth highest team target share last year. The only guys above him were Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore, and DK Metcalf. He was right there with Stefan Diggs. Actually had a higher team target share than Stefan Diggs. Like this is elite usage. And yet he was still just the wide receiver 31 and fantasy points per game and PPR leagues wide receiver 23 and total points because he played all 17 games. I don't care about total points. I care about points per game, especially when you play the entire season. I want to know how much you help me on a weekly basis. And on a weekly basis, he was pretty brutal. I mean, he was a wide receiver 25 or worse in 53% of his games played in 2021. He scored 12 or fewer points in 10 games, including six games with seven or fewer points. His best week came in week 18, which was only a ceiling of 24.6 points. That was his best fantasy week, which is a pretty solid week, right? That's really good. But that game he played A in week 18, so it wasn't the fantasy season, and he played with Andy Dalton. He didn't even play that game with Justin Fields. Mooney had just four games last year that he was a top 12 fantasy wide receiver, and three of those four games were with Andy Dalton, not with Justin Fields. The only game he played with Justin Fields where he was a top 12 wide receiver that week, he had a rushing touchdown. So it wasn't even because of Justin Fields. He had a random rushing touchdown, which you cannot count on him doing. And it was against the Steelers, who, by the way, was the worst rushing defense in the NFL last year. So 
cool. He had one top 12 week with Justin Fields out of 10 starts with him. And like I said, it wouldn't have happened if he did not get that rushing touchdown. I, there's just not a lot of upside with him because those were the only four games that he scored more than 20 points. And then you've, I, I told you he had six games with seven or fewer points. Like that kills you. And then he doesn't have enough upside. And I don't really see how it gets better in 2022. I mentioned the target share. Yes, Allen Robinson is leaving, but he had only 66 targets last year. Like, there's not, those aren't just going to go to Darnell Mooney. Those are going to go to all the new guys they brought in. Whether you think they suck or not, they still brought in a bunch of random dudes. Byron Pringle, uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, Equinomis St. Brown. Like a bunch of random guys, and then they drafted Bellis Jones, whatever his name is. I don't even really care. Who's older than me. But they drafted him very early in the draft because they think he's going to be good. So they brought in a lot of bodies, and I'm not saying they're going to be worthwhile, but they're likely going to take Allen Robinson's 66 targets. Like Those are not going to go to Mooney. And Mooney only had 61 targets in the 10 games that Fields started last year. That's 6.1 targets per game. That's a pace for just 104, 104 targets on the season. To compare, Mooney had 55 targets in the six games that he played with Andy Dalton, That games that Andy Dalton started, 9.1 targets per game, and he had nine targets in the one game that he started with Nick Foles. I, I don't see this improving. Last year, Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields had a uh, passer rating of 52.3. So when Justin Fields targeted Darnell Mooney, he had a passer rating of 52.3. That was the third worst quarterback wide receiver duo last year. Only Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, and Robbie Anderson, Sam Darnold had a worse duo passer rating. See, it wasn't just Baker Mayfield and OBJ. It was just, <laughs> it was just Baker Mayfield yeah. and all of his receivers. Baker Mayfield with a broken shoulder. I'll give him that. And then I'm, Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson. We named our dog after Baker yeah. Mayfield. I'm rooting for Baker the Mayfield. The point is, I'll, I'll get to the end here. There's just... Not enough potential here for me. I don't see it. It's, I'd rather take a different guy going around this range that has so much more potential. The Allen Robinson now with Matthew Stafford. The Juju now with Patrick Mahomes. The Elijah Moore, who scored the same amount of fantasy points per game as Darnell Mooney last year, but you know has, I, I think, a lot more opportunity this season if Zach Wilson gets better. Devontae Smith. Jerry Judy. Even Gabriel Davis. I'm taking all of them I feel before like you would, Darnell Mooney. You would draft me above... Darnell Mooney. No, I, I, I think he, I think he's, I think he's fine. You can't even get the right in pity boat just now. You, you, so you tried draft me. Anyway, no, no, I'm not gonna go <laughs> anyway because I don't want to be known as a Darnell Mooney hater like that hard. I just see no. Like, so no, no, no. I see the, no reason to draft him for I me. Really don't. For me, the issue here comes like if Darnell Mooney was playing with. I don't know, any other team in the NFL, I might be willing to buy into him, especially at yeah. his cost of wide receiver 25. Like, I do think he has upside, but does he have upside with the Bears? I don't think so. Like, I think this is going to be a team that is probably, once again, going to be in contention for a top pick next year. Um, but maybe they go for a, a nice revamp at, at, yeah, I don't know, like, offensive line. there's so many things they need to revamp like that's the thing like uh, they get they need to get a top pick in the 2023 draft they need to trade back and acquire more first round picks so that they can rebuild the roster because this it's a fire it's a dumpster fire 
I want really no part of that team. I'll take David Montgomery just purely based on touch volume. And I do think that it like when they score, it's probably going to be because of David Montgomery, but I don't want the receiving options. No. One last thing I want to say, Justin Fields threw six of his 10 interceptions on the season when targeting Darnell Mooney. Like I think he needs to spread it out. And I think if the number one corner is on Darnell Mooney, which they will be, and it's pretty much all of the focus is going to be on stopping Mooney. Like he can't keep forcing it in because it was not working last year. It was going to come season, baby. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Like it, that's fine. I almost did my hate to black on him too. <laughs> is Jimmy Graham still on the bears? No, no he's thankfully he's no mercifully oh. been cut. The only guy that can score a touchdown with the team is now gone. <laughs> All right. But that's enough of hating on the Bears. I, and I'm not even, a I Justin, don't know. I'm not done yet. I'm not a Justin Fields <laughs> hater in the slightest. I actually really loved him as a pro- prospect. I'm a Chicago Bears, this roster hater, the offensive line. Just uh, there's the weapons. It's just all gross. And I just don't expect it to go well for pretty much anybody. All right, Kate, what is your hate to blast your bubble? Number one, Javante Williams will be the biggest bust in the first two rounds of your fantasy drafts. That one's scary. Go ahead. Sweat it out, baby. This is the ballsy pod. Ball blast. Ballsy. (laughs) My goal is to get ballsy and crush your dreams um, in general. But no, on the real, Javante Williams running back for the Denver Broncos currently being drafted, according to fantasy pros, as the RB9, which, who that is that's high and that's like that's updated adp collected from three different drafting uh platforms so it's not just like skewed adp like this is this is where he's trending and the the crazy thing is like it's not like his adp has really moved at all throughout the offseason everybody was very hopeful that melvin gordon would not resign that Even though great. that would have been great if he had not resigned a hundred percent in on Javante Williams. But the thing was I, like every single sign we got from the team was like, we're going to resign Melvin Gordon. And Melvin Gordon was like, I'm going to resign with the Broncos. <laughs> and we literally just put our blinders on a hundred percent. Cause we didn't want to hear it. Like Javante Williams, one of the best running backs that you can pot, like it, just the ultimate young talent, the ultimate, uh, he would be a dynasty buy for me, but his price is too damn high. But like, look at what the team is sort of building towards. They traded for Russell Wilson. They traded like a King's ransom for him. Two first round picks, the ninth uh, overall pick in 2022, 2023rd first round pick, two second round picks, Drew Locke, which meh, former first rounder, uh, tight end, Noah Fant, who's like, Still got plenty of time for a, a huge breakout. I think that they've made the investment in Russell Wilson. I don't think this is the time to make uh, the investment in their run game. I do think that this team is going to be in a position to score. I think this position or this team is going to be in a position to uh, rack up yardage. But like, there are so many different variables and I think they all do rest on Russell Wilson's shoulder. Like, I don't think that Russell Wilson would have agreed to a trade uh, and, and it wanted this situation. If they didn't say to him, we are building this offense around you, not we're going to complement our run game with you. 
Like that is, that's the biggest thing for me because uh, you know what, if you want to orchestrate a run game around my talent as quarterback, uh, I could have just stayed in Seattle. And this is me talking as Russell Wilson. So I it's a dynamite impression. I got to say, thank you so much. Um, but even looking at like what is coming out of camp, it, it still says Javante Williams is the first running back with the first team, but then they're still getting a split with Melvin Gordon getting first team reps. And it's not, it's not clear cut. Uh, some, uh, some reports are saying that, you know, maybe Gordon will see 30% of the work. Williams will see uh, 70% like as an estimate, but looking to close out the season, like it, it didn't seem that way at all. Melvin Gordon saw 14 fewer rushing attempts, average 4.6 yards per attempt, uh, which actually was more than Javante Williams in that span, who was just four, a measly 4.05 yards per rush attempt. 3.75 yards per contact, which was our yards after contact per attempt, which was more than Javante Williams. Saw uh, one more red zone carry, two more carries inside the five. Uh, like this, their usage didn't shift. It's not like we saw a big shift towards Williams in the second half of the season. It It just didn't happen. We just saw a continuous split. I don't know it, what we're expecting from this team. I don't know. Like it, it, Melvin Gordon had one more top 12 week than Javante Williams did last year. Like it, it's, he's, he's going to be a pain in the ass. I think the only way you end up being wrong here is if Melvin Gordon were to go down because yes. Javante Williams is such an incredible talent, which I think you agree. And if anything were to happen to Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams would be fantastic. And he would get all the goal line opportunities. That's a big thing here, right? Like who scores more touchdowns, more rushing touchdowns, but also what if Russell Wilson's takes some of those rushing touchdowns away. And then you're splitting between three guys. I'm with you here. It's so scary because of the talent of Javante. Williams. But you're not, you can't draft a guy based on the notion that uh, his teammate who like, we've already seen chemistry between the two of them. Like, He's early on. He's in the second year of his rookie contract. Like if you have a running back in that system who knows the system can spell him, can spell him effectively. Why wouldn't you get that guy into the rotation? You brought him back for a reason. I just think that there's not a reason uh, to keep Melvin Gordon out of the mix at this point. He's good at what he does. He's a talented running back. We haven't seen the decline just yet. And I do think if you are banking on Javante Williams to return value at RB9, the only way it happens is with a Melvin Gordon injury. And you can't draft like that. You can't bank on injuries when you're drafting players, period. Jake, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I have a pretty radical thought here, so I don't know if it's going to go down smooth or not, but... I think maybe Russell Wilson will throw for more than 20 touchdowns, which is what they did last year. What? And like, even if he is obviously making the offense hum a lot more, I think it's going to be really tough to count on one or both of these guys to live up to that touchdown expectation, even if they're not siphoning off of each other, even if Russell isn't siphoning off those rushing touchdowns. I just think it's going to fall behind a little bit more because he's, hey, he's a much better passer than what they had there. Shock last year. So what? yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement that I'm out on Javante 
Uh, I don't I don't know if I can quite get on board saying he's the worst pick there because I have my name on a couple of other or my eyes on a couple of other names there. But I do love the idea here. Without saying anything added, can you give me one of those names? Put you right on the No spot. context. No context. One of the names that's going to bust, bust harder. Bust harder than Devontae Can I say Williams. it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no. You you do Today. agree with this. DeAndre Swift. I was about to say you're both going to disagree uh, with oh, this. Oh, cop out. I actually don't no. agree with you there. I just really? think Travis Etienne will be just as good. That's okay. my issue. No, no, no. And okay, also, then I stand a by A different it. name. I've, a different name. I don't agree with do you. Want my, you want my second name? Tyree yep. Hill. Okay, I agree with you there. Oh. I agree with you there. Pretty good. All right, Jake, get into your number two hate to blast your bubble. No, that Tyreek Hill one wouldn't have been great, but you mm. decided to shy you out. The, you took the easy yeah. way out. It's fine. I, Go with your really, I didn't think this was the easy way out. Listeners, I belabored over the second choice for longer Vanilla. than I care to admit. <laughs> and I actually thought this was spicy because this player, based off name recognition alone, it's probably worth his ADP to a lot of you. So I'm going to say that DeAndre Hopkins is not worth a top 30 wide receiver pick at all in redraft. I'm not drafting DeAndre Hopkins in <laughs> redraft. His current ADP is wide receiver 29. I don't care if it dips to wide receiver 35. I'm not taking DeAndre Hopkins on my redraft team. We know he's missing six games. And we know he has his buy outside of that. So he is missing half of your regular fantasy season. I get that it's hard to fade a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And you're sitting there in the 10th round or wherever he's going right now. Like, that name looks good. I would like to add that to my team. Okay, but let me pose it to you this way. Again, besides the half of the season he's already missing for you, he's going into his age 30 season. The first seven games that he played last year, full health, before he got all dinged up, he was the wide receiver 17 in points per game. That was with him averaging a touchdown per game. If, if he had just had an average amount of touchdowns, you're even more disappointed than the, what that finish was. He was barely on pace. Again, when fully healthy and when Kyler Murray was still for, fully healthy, he was barely on pace for a thousand yards. So he goes out in week seven. Zach Ertz comes in literally like midweek, comes over from the Eagles, inserts himself into this offense like a glove. He takes over. He ties for the ninth most red zone targets of all pass catchers last year. And again, I'm talking already about how Hopkins was benefited to a plump wide receiver 17 by touchdown. So if Zacharis is going to come in and steal away some of those looks, that's already looking a little rough for him. Now we've got Marquise Brown. I would beg to say we could all agree he is better than Christian Kirk. Yes. So Hollywood Brown, better than Christian Kirk. It's also Kyler's old college buddy who had a great season together uh, at the senior season there. And Arizona has this weird reputation with Cliff Kingsbury as this super pass happy offense. Like that's all I hear or, or super high octane offense. Like, Ooh, it's the Kingsbury offense. What does that really mean for these wide receivers? Because they haven't ranked better than 14th in overall pass attempts once 
since he's taken over that team. So I don't get the enthusiasm for that. I mean, the so, yes. it, it's so I have, I have the answer for this. It's they run the most sets with four wide receivers on the field. Now it still only equates to about 12%, but that's still so much higher than the rest of the league. It's like a large, large but percent shouldn't higher. That, shouldn't that benefit your like wide receiver three and well, wide receiver th- four? Well, that's what I was saying is that there's more options on the field at wide receiver. That's probably why it's not benefiting anyone. I was going to say that, but that's yeah. kind of maybe where they're getting at. But you have, you make a great point here. It's like, it's well, even if you're saying this, it's not helping them. Yeah, use that argument for Rondale Moore. If I can try and get behind that argument for him or for AJ Green, if you really just want to waste a draft pick, but give me some good reasons for why you're wasting a draft pick. Like I can get on board with that. I can't get on board for using it for DeAndre Hopkins here. And if I am drafting somebody knowing they're missing seven games, they're missing half of my regular season, I better, one, feel pretty damn confident I can get into those playoffs regardless of what I have in front of him. Or two, I better know that when he does play, he's going to be a top-tier wide receiver. And that's not, sadly for me anymore, DeAndre Hopkins. Again, wide receiver 17 in points per game finish. And now you're asking me to wait six weeks for that? I'm not going to do it. Is there, as out of curiosity, is there any player, any player that could be suspended for six games that you would be in on at this current draft cost? Because that, I think, like, that is what would differentiate, like, DeAndre Hopkins from... I think there's a good chunk of players. I I think what Jake's... Well, you, you can answer first, and then I'll go. Jake. Yeah, I mean, even if we're just looking at wide receivers, if this was Cooper Cup having that, I would be drafting Cooper Cup at that cost. Justin Jefferson, any of those guys that are currently really okay. inside, let's say the top seven, eight options, I can totally get behind that. Yeah, to be able to have to wait six weeks and we're waiting for like elite production when you come back. And I think that at least needs to be wide receiver 10 or better, maybe even higher than that. But you at least need to be giving wide receiver 10 production production and like you said last year even averaging a touchdown per game he was still the wide receiver 17 and fantasy points per game during that span like that's just not worth it it's not it's not he's not being a difference maker and you wasted six weeks plus that bye week and it's just it's going to be really hard to hold on to him that long if you have any injuries and once bye weeks hit it's just that's uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. And I like your take more that you said, like, you don't really want to take him at all because your original take was that he's not worth a top 30 wide receiver pick. But I true. agree with you. Yeah, which is true. But also, I just agree with you that, you know, he would have to fall really far to make it worth it. Um, So I'm with you there. Well, we're all agreeing. Good thing you didn't do your DeAndre Swift take. I'll, that way I'll save that for I'll next say. time so we can have a good, good old fashioned brawl. I'll say that, like, I, for instance, um, drafted DeAndre Hopkins in, I think it was the 10th or 11th round of Scott Fishbowl, for instance, a league that does not have waivers. Because it felt well, they pretty have waivers. Good. Or, sorry, they have waivers, no, no trades. trades. Uh, and I felt good about my starting roster. Like, you need to be really comfortable with your starting roster if you're ever going to think about deandre hopkins you need to have a that's also a hell 20, bench it's a 20 like roster 18 people roster very different than your home league where you probably yes. have 15 players maybe a five person bench keeping him on a five person or six person bench is that's going to be tough. extremely extremely hard but also one one last note and this is a strategy note 
be aware of your league settings. So there are some leagues that allow you to utilize your IR spot for a suspended player. Check your, your, if, if you can utilize uh, your IR spot for your suspended player, you can see that go into the settings, check league settings, scoring settings, roster settings, see what that IR spot can be utilized for. Cause I don't know if you, if you can utilize that spot for DeAndre Hopkins, where do you draft him then? Then I'm fine drafting him at his ADP. I wouldn't go any higher because like we said, even when he comes back, we don't expect him to be that big of a difference maker. I will say if you're a commissioner, change that. Do not let a suspended <laughs> guy go in the IR. That's for injured players that happen. Agree. During the season or right before the season. Like, no. But all I absolutely agree. But like, at the same point, I do think yeah. that you can play to your league's rules. Yes. And if that's a setting that your league allows, uh, take advantage of that. Take advantage of all of the, the settings and knowing your league inside and out because those are those little petty things that like we'll see major league baseball players apparently like hit each other on the field about because uh, they're into some fan. Michelle, you didn't hear this story. <laughs> no, but we're not going to get Who into was it. it. Like Mike Trout inside. There was like, uh, nobody cares about whole... baseball. Nobody cares. We're 45 minutes in. I we're going to keep the story though. We're going to keep great... rolling. They uh, were fighting about fantasy football at the game. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, fun. Yeah. yeah. Nobody cares fun. about baseball. All right. Moving on. Uh, take number two for me. I'm very sorry, but no Raiders fans are listening to our podcast because they already hate us. So this is, <laughs> this is great. Nobody Cheers should be mad all. at me. Yeah, Derek Carr is not not going to win you a fantasy championship. So there's just no reason to draft him in one quarterback leagues is my point here. He's a quarterback 14 in ADP, which is good. It's not too high, right? But I see a lot of people on Twitter being like, I'm just going to wait on quarterback and take Derek Carr because now he has Devontae Adams. He's going to take this big leap. He's going to be my late round quarterback that wins me my league because he's so cheap. No. He's not. Carr was the quarterback 17 in fantasy points per game last year in four-point pass touchdown leagues. He scored fewer points per game than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, he scored fewer fantasy points per game then. And just 0 .02, 0 .02 more fantasy points per game than Daniel Jones. Now, even if you go to six-point pass touchdown leagues, it was the same exact thing. Scored fewer points per game than Carson Wentz. The same amount as Jimmy Garoppolo. And I say this when he had 626 pass attempts last year. That was fifth most in the NFL. Like, there's no way next year that he can throw more than that. And if he does, it's going to be by the slightest margin. Like, there's really not much room unless they're going to make him throw as much as Tom Brady does did last year, which was record-breaking. And I don't expect that to happen. With Derek Carr, right? Everyone's so excited with Devontae Adams and he should throw more touchdowns. Yes. A hundred percent, but he has had 30 plus pass touchdowns just once in his entire career. That was all the way back in 2015. And that was 32 pass touchdowns. That's his career high. And the only time he hit more than 30 or more pass touchdowns in a season. And even in 2015, when he had a pretty solid season, when he was the like in the MVP conversation, he was just the quarterback 14 overall and quarterback 19 in fantasy points per game that year yes adams will help but we need to ask how much he would have needed to score nine more pass touchdowns last year in four point pass touchdown leagues 
or 11 more past touchdowns in six-point touchdown leagues to even score as many total fantasy points as Kirk Cousins last year. Again, that was nine more in four-point leagues, 11 more in six-point touchdowns to get as much as Kirk Cousins last year. And Cousins played one fewer game the car and had 65 fewer passing attempts. Now, Cousins had a very solid year last year in fantasy, don't get me wrong, but he was still only the quarterback 12 in fantasy points per game, and that's not a league winner. And that's a lot of touchdowns to have to make up to just get to Kirk Cousins' level. So if Devontae Adams does add another nine touchdowns to his game, cool, he got to Kirk Cousins' level. And that's a lot of touchdowns to add to your game from one season to the next when he's never been that guy. So all I'm saying is there's legit zero reason to draft Derek Carr in a one quarterback league because going right around him is Kirk Cousins, who's already done it, where he has room to grow because now he's in a new system that's going to, from everything we're hearing, is going to allow him to pass more. Adam Thielen should be more healthy. He has weapons. Like Your goal here is Derek Carr to be Kirk Cousins. So just draft Kirk Cousins, who's going around the same exact range, or Trey Lance, who is going right there with Derek Carr, who has – a ceiling, maybe not as safe a floor as Derek Carr, but I think he does with his rushing ability. But his ceiling is legit top five quarterback in fantasy football due to his rushing. Take a guy that can win you a league and not Derek Carr who's going to be, sure, he could be quarterback 14 where he's going. Yeah, he can. Or be quarterback 12, whippity-doo. He has no upside whatsoever. If you want to draft him in a two-quarterback league as your second quarterback, fine. Then he's fine there as your second quarterback. Just no reason to take him ever in a one quarterback league. You know that's that, my statement. You know that like saying uh when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. That's Liz is Loza's. That, is that is it? That's Liz Loza's okay. like, motto. Hashtag Liz Loza, uh, who's leaving Yahoo Fantasy Sports, by the way. Holy crap, just the shakeups at fantasy football analyst. Uh, just crazy this year. But um like we already know who Derek Carr is. And I mean, he had all of the opportunity in the world last year. And like, let's remember, I think he played in four different overtime situations last mm-hmm. year. Was it four? It was a gazillion. I don't know. I don't have it. It literally time, felt like every time I looked at the TV, Derek Carr was playing in overtime. And I was like, can you just win this thing in regulation, Derek? Like I have, a, I have appointments. I have places to be. Uh, but it, it just, it doesn't, really feel like again like you said the upside is that significantly different on in terms of it was four you're right thank you um yeah like so all of those stats you can't bank on him having another uh four games heading into overtime like that's just not i'd actually be very curious so this is something that i can do after the show and tweet that out but just to see like how many at what percentage of his stats occurred in those overtime games. Cause I mean, whatever that is, subtract that from your projections. Well, he only had 221 yards, passing yards and one touchdown in overtime last oh, year. So, so not great. So not much. Cause he wasn't very good in overtime. Uh, uh, to the, we'll cut that out of the of, episode. People no, no. Jake, that feeds further into my point almost um, because he sucks. Anyway, he only had 20 (laughs) passing attempts. He's he's either way that he performed in overtime. It was going to get used against him here. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Oh, 100 (laughs) percent. All right, Jake, I want it because clearly Kate and I I, it's not even about not this. 
this take is not about not liking Derek Carr because I do think Devonte Adams is going to help him a lot, and I think he is. And I'll dog, draft Devonte Adams. Our dog could not be louder. I'm very sorry. She's. I'll making... draft Devonte Adams. To be clear, yeah, like it's not. Oh, Devonte Adams, I still have as a top five fantasy wide receiver. Ooh. I think he's going to have a great season. That does not mean Derek not. Carr will have a great season. Uh, well, doesn't mean he's going to have a great fantasy season. Let me make that clear. Jake, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr being drafted in one quarterback leagues? I've said before on this podcast that I'm developing a weird sweet spot for him this year just because Ew. of the talent. You do have to acknowledge. Gross. I mean, yeah, the pass attempts thing is outrageous. Like there's no way he hits 626 again or whatever the hell the number was this year. However, at a certain point, it's like he was throwing to Zay Jones, Brian Edwards, and the guy Hunter Renfro, and that was kind of it. So you're building up this roster around him. I don't know. I can see his efficiency going up. I don't think he doubles his touchdowns or anything like that, but I but think his ceiling is like QB7. I think that's a C. Is it, though? Because, yeah. I, like I said, he has to score 11 more touchdowns and six-point touchdown leagues to even get to Kirk Cousins last year, who was a quarterback 12. So you think he's going to throw how many more than last year? Because that's 11 more. So you think he has like 20 more in his bag? Devontae Adams is locked for like 14 added touchdowns for this dude, I think. Uh, think even Hunter, if he's not Hunter getting Renfro, it himself. Hunter Renfro had nine last year. So you think Hunter Renfro is going to stick with his nine? And then No, no, no. Devontae I've said Hunter Renfro is going to go down. I think it parcels out a lot more to Darren Waller and Take to Devontae Adams. Okay, so if Renfro goes down, uh-huh. and then you're, I just yeah, I Renfro. Don't know let's say like gonna... five touchdowns for Hunter Renfro. So you're is, expecting Derek Carr to get close to forty touchdowns because that's what he's going to need to be quarterback seven or better. Because yeah, even I think Matthew he could get Stafford, close. I don't know if he'll hit it, but I think he get close to it. Matthew Stafford eat, last year had I will, forty plus, and I will not eat a cup of mayo uh, if don't he do hits. That. Please don't. 20, but what, what what could I do on the podcast? Uh, if Derek Carr hits 40 touchdowns. So Jake, you were saying you think- Because I'm not concerned at all. You think his efficiency is going to go up. He already completed 68% of his pass attempts last year. Uh, Like how much better can that get? Yeah, what was his his yards per attempt though last year? I don't have that up in front of me, but it had to have been pretty meager. I don't think it was all that bad, but let me pull it up. It 7. was 7.7. 7. 7.7, that's pretty solid. Like, that's not the highest of the league, but that's a very solid amount. So expecting either his completion percentage or yards per attempt to go up next year, maybe like the two years before was 7.9, 7.9, maybe that goes up. But like we both agreed, 626 seems very unlikely. He was at 517, 513, 553, 515, all of the prior years. I just... He's going to have to score so many passing touchdowns for him to even get to Kirk Cousins level. We're going to have to make a really good wager out of this. We're going to have to figure out something that's really good for this. And I don't know. I'll even put 40 at it. I don't really believe in 40, but I'll put it at 40 just for fun. Who are you taking? Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr? Let me say one stat real quick. I already mentioned Derek Carr has 30 plus touchdowns in one season in his entire career. which is How many of those seasons did he have Devontae Adams? None, but yes. Kirk Cousins. I win. Nope, we're done. I win. Kirk Cousins has 30 plus touchdowns in three of the last four seasons. And he has not had Justin Jefferson in all of those. So don't tell me that. That's true. Three of the last four seasons, he has scored, he has had over 30 touchdowns. Kirk Cousins. Like, we're not comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. I am comparing him to another quarterback at, that's disrespected like him. 
but at least Kirk Cousins actually scores fantasy points. And at least That's Kirk Cousins being it, it just the the draft cost is much less. Jake, what would you project uh, Derek Carr's pass attempt total to be in the 2022 season? I think it's fair to put What's him a around like number? 550 to 560. Like, I think that's still very doable. So we need to, him to throw around a 5.5% touchdown rate, which is above his career average. Uh, last season, he threw it. That would be his career high uh, outside of his 2015 season when he threw 32 touchdowns. So I think you did that math wrong. If he needs 40 touchdowns, there's no way. Oh, you're, you're at 30 touchdowns. Yeah. That's what oh, I'm well, he said he's willing to go to 40. Yeah. I'm just, but I'm saying like a very oh. realistic projection, I think for Derek Carr would be 550 pass attempts. And I think a, like the best case scenario for him uh, in terms of touchdown rate would be like a 5.5% touchdown. Rate. I'm fine. To, I think he scored. I think he hits 30 this year. I think it's right there though, right above. And that still would not have gotten him to quarterback 12 last year in fantasy points per game. I would put it at – Or actually total fantasy points either. Over under 33 passing touchdowns. I think that's fine even if it's 33 and then he still just gets to Kirk Cousins in four-point touchdown leagues. And at least beef it up and make it 35 as the over under or something. Something a little spicier. 33 is so low for you. I'll do 35 because he's going to need 40 to be a good fantasy pick. That's 100 I mean, that just helps me. So I'll take the under, Jake. And maybe we let the Ball Blast listeners decide uh, what kind of bet is on the line. I don't we. I don't really that, trust that. that. <laughs> like a, writing a blank check. I don't know. Before we get to Kate's last take and the, our last take of the episode, I want to retract what I just said. I think I said he needs to get to 40 touchdowns to be a good fantasy pick. He probably only needs to get to about 33 to 35 to be a good pick at his ADP where it's fine. He's not mm-hmm. like he'll be enough. But to be a fantasy winner or even be close to it, he needs 40. Like, if he doesn't That's get the fair. 40, he's he's not winning you a fantasy championship whatsoever. So you're just your ceiling is just whatever. Like you're just taking someone late that is meh, meh. Pointless. <laughs> just pointless. All right, Kate, go on to your last take and our last take of the episode. All right. I'm gonna bring us home by saying Rashad White, running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, rookie running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to have a bigger role than you want him to have in year one. Hashtag Leonard for servings. This is oh my God. Uh, I'm, this is not a tweet. disrespectful. This is not a take on Leonard Fournette's weight literally at all. Um, but I do want to shout out Rashad white. Cause he was, uh, I think one of the most underrated prospects coming out. He was a, a project at the position, but Coming out of Arizona State, we already see him uh, getting reps in training camp with Tom Brady as a receiver. Like, I'm sorry, Leonard Fournette, he might have had, like, targets. He might have had receptions. But he's still not the best receiving running back. And I do think that they have room to grow uh, in terms of that option in this offense. And I do think if... Rashad White develops as I hope he does. That does mean a, a hit for Leonard Fournette, maybe not super significant, um, but maybe a hit into the RB2 territory if he doesn't see quite as many targets. Um, but Rashad White, big hands, 9.75 inches. That is 
uh, what over Man, an inch. I wish our Steelers quarterback had those hands. Yes, I, I like <laughs> I I a Steelers fan could only dream of hands that big. <laughs> like I just huge, and you know what the the forty yard dash. He had a fine forty yard dash four four eight forty. Um, but like, let's look purely at the receiving ability. Cause that's what Tom Brady has needed. Like didn't have it in Ronald Jones, doesn't have it, um, in Leonard Fournette, but out of all of the running backs they have on the roster, he sort of fit that bill the best. Now you bring in Rashad White, a third round pick ranked third in yards per route run, um, run among running backs in the 2021 season with Arizona state. He is a willing pass blocker, though he has plenty of like room to grow in terms of his efficiency as a pass blocker. 14th highest rushing grade on PFF, fourth highest receiving grade among running backs, fourth in receiving yards among running backs, third in missed tackles after the catch. Like, I think this guy is such a dynamic playmaker. And I do think that that's exactly what the Bucks lean into. And I like, I think. Leonard Fournette goal line carries. Absolutely. Um, except for the ones that Tom Brady still will siphon off somehow one after the other. Um, like, I just think that Rashad white is going to have a role as a receiver in this offense coming out of the gate. And I do think that that lowers Leonard Fournette's ceiling. Maybe it doesn't lower his floor. Cause I think he's going to be safe in terms of his rush attempts, but I do think it lowers his ceiling in terms of, what he's going to see as a receiver with Tom Brady. Listen, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I thought I was going to be higher on Leonard Fournette before my projections. And then I did them and I have Leonard Fournette as my RB 15, which seems low, but I think is fair. I do think Rashad white does steal some of those receptions. Now I still don't have it enough for Rashad white's like really fantasy relevant all that much. Like he might have some good week. No, I like to be clear, this is not a draft Rashad White take. This is a uh, beware of Leonard Fournette at his ADP. Depending, it, it kind of depends on your league right now in half PPR formats, being drafted as the running back 14. And I think that's like a fine projection. Obviously, he can finish ahead of that. We've seen it before. But I also think that like Rashad White brings an element to this Bucks offense that they didn't have last year. And I do think that that's going to limit that threshold that you really want for a, a fantasy running back. I think if you're expecting anything like you saw last year for Fernat as a top five running back where he was very like consistent, especially in that second half of the season, if giving you PPR points, you could be a little bit disappointed. It, it, she, like what you said, Leonard Fournette is a pretty bad, like really bad receiving back. He was the best of the worst. Yeah. Like, like Tom Brady needs a receiving back. Cause that's what he always does. But when you're looking at his last three seasons, 6.6 yards per reception, 6.5 in 2020, 6.9 in 2019. If you're in the sixes as a running back or as any player, but like running backs do have a lower yards per reception, but in the sixes, you are a bad receiving back. Like that's just plain and simple. If you're in the sixes for this long, it's you're just not very good at it. So I do think they're going to look for someone else. You know, the Buccaneers have had trouble trusting rookies lately. So I'm a little bit worrisome there, but. But the fact that do. he is getting first team reps and like looks with Tom Brady and week one of training camp, 
I, we've heard good things so far. Like I haven't heard a ton of reports in general outside of Leonard Fournette's weight uh, coming out of the Bucks training camp, but like he's absolutely working his way into the mix and uh, like the bulk of the plays that I'm seeing highlighted and discussed are Rashad white as a receiver with yeah. Tom Brady. And that's, that the only so Jake, I'm gonna get to you. I promise. I'll let you speak in a second. The only issue with like white would be enticing, or for, like I still like for not still running back 15. He's fine. I just you know he's not an exciting pick whatsoever. But now they have every wide receiver in the world. Like they have Mike Evans. They have they brought in Julio Jones if he can stay healthy. Who knows? But they have Chris Godwin who'll be back at some point early in the season. They have Tyler Johnson who was a promising young wide receiver. Jalen Darden, like they have oh, and Russell Gage, I didn't even bring him up. It's like they're so deep at wide receiver. Really Tom Brady shouldn't be targeting his running backs as much as he is but it's going to happen. I just don't see either. Like, I don't think white's going to be super, super fantasy relevant. And then, but I still think he's going to hurt for at the same time. Jake, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I'm not rushing out to draft white, but I do want to say that with the absence of tight end there, that that is what could lead to him seeing some, eh, some reasonable targets. Again, not enough to make me enticed to draft him, but I really do think people when we're projecting the ADP for, for old Lenny there, it's just like, well, he had competition in the backfield last year. So let's just leave him where he is. Yeah. But the competition was not for the high value touches. Somebody can take rushing work off of him, And I'm fine with that. I don't care about that. As long as it's not near the goal line, but if you want to yeah. take that in between the twenties rushing work, please have at it. I don't care. I just want the dude to get targets. So if he ain't getting those, then I actually think that RB 12 is like his ceiling and and that's just and even that seems unattainable to me so i'm fully in on this so what is your thought that if so rashad white is going where you know other handcuff running backs are going where other backup running backs are going so you're not taking him you know people aren't taking him where they're like oh i need him to produce with leonard Fournette, even though you'll probably end up dropping him you know if he doesn't and Fournette doesn't get hurt but let's say Fournette does get hurt he gets an injury is it Rashad White that takes over this role as like a workhorse or do they have Keyshawn Vaughn involved or if Gino Barnard ends up making the team still at his age? Like, is it the White show or will he just split the backfield still? I don't think there's a chance that he takes over this backfield himself. This rookie, this playing style, I, I don't see him taking over it. I, but also, it's not as if they have free agents that they could run to in this case. I mean, David Johnson is probably the top of the running back heap for free agents right now. Not to say that they wouldn't sign somebody like him, because I could definitely see them doing that. But it's going to be a split at best, I think. The, uh, who, uh, the Saints just signed Malcolm Brown, so don't be <laughs> shocked by anything. He's still making it. Good for him. I mean, Rashad White, <laughs> I like I said this when I was discussing him, he was more of a like a project at running back who happened to be who, very good. Receiver. A prospect like, I really liked, by the I way. absolutely love Rashad. And that's obviously why I'm talking about him, but like a uh, PFF uh, had pinned him as a guy that they could see quote unquote transitioning to a full-time receiver. I don't see that happening whatsoever. I do think he's a, a, just a talented running back. He should stay at the running back position, but if he's going to develop further, he's going to have to work 
on the pass blocking element, which is obviously critical when you have a 48 year old quarterback, uh, at nearing retirement. All I want to say is while we're talking about Rashad white to close out the show, I see Kenneth Gainwell is going just five RB spots before Rashad yes. white. Kenneth Gainwell at RB 49 and PPR leagues is the best value in all of life and should be on every single one of the ball blast listeners rosters in redraft leagues. Jake, you are so excited right now. You, you talk. <laughs> I had seen the exact same thing as I was scrolling. I was like, who would I take above Rashad White? And then I see Kenny Gainwell's name pop up there. I was like, well, that's absurd that they're going even that close together. So yeah, I, I think that also just speaks to the fact that there is still value to be had later in drafts. Although sometimes it's this landmine value of a Rashad White. Kenneth Gainwell could uh, increase his 80 because he's getting a lot of love out of camp so far. Running with the uh, first team quite often. Now, Miles Sanders is too. He wants you to know that because he's very butthurt that he was running with the twos. He's also running with the ones. The thing is, Kenneth Gainwell doesn't need to take over the backfield to be good in PPR leagues. Like, you expect him to be the compliment to Miles Sanders, but he's the better value in terms of draft costs, and then also just has the more valuable touches, which is what you want. Anyways, Kenneth Gainwell will be, will be on every single one of my rosters this year. Kenneth Gainwell is the breadsticks of your Olive Garden meal. Kate always coming in <laughs> with the randomest comments, and that's how we're going to end because that's amazing. Uh if you have any additional questions or if you just want to hate on us about our hateful takes come at us we're ready to talk with you about it uh you can find me on twitter michelle at ball blast em, ball blast em and you can find me kate at ff ball blast you can find me jake at jake trowbridge with a w bye y'all bye bye that's it for this week's ball blast fantasy football podcast be sure to subscribe leave those five-star reviews and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league winning advice